Hello and welcome to this week's Rennick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith. I'm the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RIDBC Rennick Centre. It's my very great pleasure today to be joined by Helen Sinclair Tracy. Helen, we haven't met you before. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am the mother of a little boy with CBI and I also uh, set up and uh, part of the team called CBI Scotland, uh, which is an organisation devoted to um, sharing and developing understanding of cerebral visual impairment. What is CBI? Well, it, so it stands for cerebral visual impairment, although some call it cortical visual impairment. It's the umbrella term for a group of medically diagnosable visual impairments from the brain and um, each can alter how vision is experienced you can have one or you can have many as i say some call it cerebral some call it cortical some call it neurological and some call it brain-based but core to what cerebral visual impairment is are these individual CVI. So it's actually an umbrella term for a group of individual brain-based visual impairments. So we'd make the assumption that everyone who's got CVI is going to look different and behave differently. Yeah, yeah, completely. So, I mean, you can get CVI at any time in your life. You could have it from birth. You can have one. You can have many. You can have one or many mildly or severely or a combination where some are mild and some are severe. You can have them with other conditions from other parts of the brain or affecting other parts of your, your whole body. Um, and um, it, it can affect people very profoundly, meaning they have severe learning disabilities or it can affect people very mildly or in all sorts of um, and different ways. And, and it's not just different from person to person it's extremely dynamic so it's actually different for the same person from one moment to the next gosh so is there anything that's relevant for everyone with cvi yeah well i mean there are certain things that are relevant for everyone generally so and that are affected particularly um, significantly for people with CVI. Uh, so one of them, we, we use the term clutter and I'm very aware that clutter is a very negative word for things that we love around our home, our pictures, our books, our knickknacks, our you know, nice patterned bedspreads and curtains. But with this stuff that we, we call it clutter because where it is unnecessary for what you're doing, the brain has to map that and it is using up very sort of precious brain processing power that can actually make vision uh, reduce quite considerably for some. And for most of us, we can sort of filter out the, the, this, this clutter and, and live quite comfortably with sort of like pictures on our walls and stuff like that. But for people with CVI, this can mean the difference between being able to be comfortable, being able to learn and an, an environment being inaccessible to them, being overwhelming, being very stressful. So reducing clutter helps everybody. We, we, it helps all our brains, but it can make a real massive difference for people with CVI. Reducing movement around you, and that means, you know, if it's a child, slowing the child down too, because again, 
the movement, if you imagine everything visually that has to be mapped, if you're moving, it's being mapped and remapped constantly many, many times a second. So you're making that process even harder. So slowing things right down. And also, and this is a real issue with CVI, is thinking about the noise around you because you've got two processes there. You've got the visual processes and, and the sound processes. And they, from what this we are told over and over again, they just can compete with each other so that where something is noisy, a person just can't see as well. And equally where they're focusing on something visually or they're visually overwhelmed, they can't hear so well. So reduce the visual clutter, slow things right down and quieter. That, that I think is general advice for everybody in life, but really important for everyone with CVI. It, it almost sounds like a form of deaf blindness. Well, in many cases it is. We wrote a piece about this recently because if you think about the auditory processing disorder and, and those, challenging, those challenges that go with it, it was a piece from um, California Deaf Blind sort of saying, is this the auditory equivalent of CVI? And the part of the brain that um, maps where things are in space around you visually so that you can see things and reach for things accurately, but also those higher processes so that that, that information goes to your, the recognition parts of your brain so that you know what you're looking at and understand the world around you. Yeah. There's an auditory equivalent in the same part so that when you're listening to something where that sound is coming from around you, how far away it is from you, and then then what, it, so that you can decide if you focus on it, you can hear it, and then um, understand what it is, and if it is something that you do know, or somebody you do know, that's all the same part of the brain as the higher visual processing difficulties. And, um, and for some, the, the, the combined what, uh, visual and auditory processing difficulties are so severe that unquestionably they have a severe dual sensory impairment. They are essentially brain deaf and blind, if you like. Um, and for others, it can be mild where things sort of dip in and out. So sometimes they can hear and can't see. And one of the things that we thought was quite interesting is that where vision is most profoundly affected, it's, it, um, you know, it, it, it's CVI, but the, the explanations that we hear from the community with auditory processing um, issues, quite often their vision can be affected, but the primary difficulty is with the sound processing. And so it's almost like, it feels a bit like, is this a spectrum where you can have both of them severely or one more, and it's like tilts more towards vision or hearing for one or the other. It's, I mean, it's really fascinating, but you are in exactly the same part of the brain for both of those two processes in the posterior parietal lobes. And, and that's so interesting, is it? Because we're always told that the visual cortex is so far removed from the auditory cortex that it's, you know, it's really interesting thinking about that higher processing level yeah. around Definitely. that. And as you say, it almost sounds like a spectrum. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that's certainly increasingly how we are understanding it from what people are telling us. Sure. So how many people have CVI? We don't know for sure, but we do have an awful lot of clues. So I'm just going to go through some of these sort of like clues. Um, Kathy Williams is a, a pediatric ophthalmologist. She's running a massive um, study in England called the CVI Project and her her uh, findings are currently under review so she can't say for sure but what she has said um, in an interview recently is that 
every teacher in every class needs to know about CBI. Now that to us says, okay, one in 30, because that's how big yeah, the class is. Yeah, that's extraordinary when you, when you put it like that, yeah. And then, and this is mainstream school. That, and that, there was a previous study by a, a French um, uh, doctor, Sylvie Chopin, and she came back with about 4% again in mainstream school. And so these, these figures are just, you know, very, well, not so bad, just high, the jaw dropping. And then this is not a condition with a cure. So these children become adults with CVI. They don't suddenly stop having CVI when they leave school. Uh, similar studies also looking at children in special needs schools. Yes. Um, a finding between a quarter and a half have undiagnosed. Uh, they call it visual processing difficulties that are consistent with CVI because to say CVI you need a doctor to medically diagnose it and so for, for these studies um, uh, uh, there are various questionnaires that have been shown to be very reliable again through studies but to actually sort of like stamp CVI on, on the case you have to have a medical diagnosis so that's why you hear terms like visual processing difficulties or visual processing difficulties that could be yeah. CVI. So that's the children and then in the adult population I mean most you know as a, in the UK we have around about two percent stroke survivors of whom about 60 percent have visual difficulties they didn't have before the stroke. Now, oh. If you imagine the brain is um, made up about 40 percent of it is dedicated to visual processing and in everything we learn I think there's various figures are 70 to 80 percent is somehow connected to vision yep. so if you think anything that alters the brain there is a reasonable chance it is going to impact at some point on a visual processing system and so with then adding in dementia multiple sclerosis traumatic brain injuries we reckon that somewhere between five and ten percent across the population probably is affected by CVI. So in Australia, that would be at least in excess of a million people. Gosh, uh, that, that's, that's a tiny, tiny number of diagnoses. <laughs> and when we hear those figures, our next question is, so if we don't know anything about this, but we suspect, what, what should we do? Who should we go to? What, what's the next steps, I guess? Well, it's tricky because they, that diagnosing on that scale is just not possible. You know, the systems would collapse. I mean, and, and the reason we, we created CVI Scotland was to give everybody a resource where they could learn. And, um, and it is about, in, you know, yes, there are sort of systems within all groups, whether different countries have different processes to sort of like get assessments and get to get diagnoses. And, um, but it's not going to be practical for everybody. And so there are certain things that, um, I mean, if I came to this now for the first time uh, as a parent where someone has sort of said, I think your child has CBI, with what I know, the first, I would want to start helping them immediately. I don't want to sort of like learn for two years before I can do anything useful. Oh, no. And so I would, you know, go, go back to that. I, I would declutter. I, I would get a pop-up tent inside the house, which is, I'll, I'll talk about this on, on the main um, talk that I give, but, but, um, so there is a, a brain pure sanctuary environment for my son's brain. And then, you know, I've got other kids just to sort of like completely declutter a house is not something that is going to happen overnight. <laughs> um, so I would reduce and slow things down 
and think about the noise and then I would start learning because I need to learn about CBI. I need to find out which ones he's affected by. My son does have a very detailed diagnosis but that, that's just a snapshot that doesn't tell that that, that is helpful uh, but that I need to understand how those CVIs relate specifically to him and and, and, and in and different individualizing that support isn't it really about exactly yeah. and so it's a journey but but I think you know for most people just just that decluttering slowing things down making it quiet if you see those improvements so gradually step by step and then build on on learning and, and just 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 learn for yourself and as i say that's why we created cbi scotland because we needed somewhere that anybody could just come and learn about this and we've gone through an awful lot of trouble to make sure that it is of the highest standard in terms of just like in line with current research and stuff like that and um and that, that's what i would do and and that that's um that's where i'd start Thank you. And we're going to put that link to CVI Scotland in our show notes so that people can follow that up as well. And the, the big talk that Helen's talking about, Helen is one of our keynotes at the OMAA Orientation Mobility Online Symposium on the 22nd of September, where she's going to talk about the importance of orientation and mobility specialists in supporting people with CVI. So really looking forward to that. And this has been so interesting. It's really opened my eyes to the prevalence and sheer breadth of what CPI can encompass. So Helen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, thank you for having me.